Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And this afternoon we've got a couple on the line that has a really unique testimony of of God's grace and God's healing. And I'm really excited. I, I saw a clip on it. Uh, I believe, I, I'm, I'm not sure which, uh, which you know, uh, news station I saw it on, um, but I will try to get a copy of it and attach it to the uh, website so it'll be on there for after. But uh, Johnny and Casey Johnson, how are you all tonight? Doing great. Very good. Thanks for having us on the show today. Well, we're really glad to hear, you know, of your testimony, and I believe that there's a lot of people that this will really in- inspire, um, especially if, if they're going through, you know, anything that is even like what you went through. And uh, so I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you, Johnny, and let you start doing the talking, and I'm sure Casey will be able to, uh, you know, kind of come in and out and uh so if you're ready? Absolutely. Again, thank you for, for having uh, Casey and I on the show. It means a lot, and we're happy to share our testimony anytime and in hopes that uh, it does bring glory to God and it does help uh, really any uh, individual, any couple. Um, so I'll try to give you the, the long story short and give you the facts and the, the good parts, uh, and hopefully somebody will, will definitely be blessed uh, and bring glory to God for sure. Uh, Casey and I have been married now for 29 years. We've just celebrated our 29th anniversary this past April. Uh, she and I met in college. We were both on college scholarship down in Alabama. Uh, we went to a university called Troy University. And uh, thank the good Lord for uh, his blessing that we both were able to go to school basically for free on scholarship. And uh, we met in college. Uh, Casey had moved there from Dallas. Uh, and um, had been uh, Texas Junior Miss in 1987. And so I like to say she got all-expense-paid vacation to Troy, where I was on all-expense-paid vacation as well. I had gotten a scholarship, uh, and we met. And uh, lo and behold, we literally ran off and got married to the point where uh, we didn't tell anybody. We were scared to tell him. We were scared to tell the parents. We were scared to tell anybody. And so I lived in the fraternity house, and she lived in the sorority hall, uh, and we did that for about five months, uh, and we both realized that uh, our grades were plummeting. Uh, there wasn't the right way to have a family, and so we decided we better call uh, her mom and dad and let them know. So we did, and uh, basically did, say what, Don? Collect. We called them collect. Yep, we called them collect. They accepted the charges, and uh, we're grateful enough to pay for that long, long phone call. But um, we got through that, as you can imagine, now being adults and us having kids and yourself having kids, what that might look and sound and feel like, and from a human perspective, which is kind of humorous when you look back on it. But um, anyway, about two years into our marriage, um, I had went in one night after a ball game, and this was May of 1990, uh, and I thought I was having a heart attack. My, my chest was hurting. My left arm was hurting. I was having difficulty breathing. So Casey uh, and my older sister rushed me to the hospital, uh, and they said, hey, you know, calm down. You're not having a, a heart attack, but uh, we did a chest X-ray, and there's something about the size of a softball. It looks like a piece of glass that's in between your heart and your lung. Uh, and they said, I'm not sure. we got to do some more tests. So over the next few days, uh, and then we were also, thank, thank God for, for this insight, uh, Dr. Jack Hawkins, the Chancellor of Troy University, said you really need to go to the University of Alabama in Birmingham. It's a great uh, cancer medical institute. So we took his advice. We went up there, uh, and they confirmed the findings of the doctors there locally in Alabama that I had what was called uh, stage 4 lymphoblastic lymphoma, acute T-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, and 
we learned through this process now that uh, I was the first survivor of this very rare type of cancer. Uh, they said basically I had about seven days to live, uh, and it was all over my whole body, in my lymph nodes, in my blood. Uh, it was everywhere. Everywhere they looked, everywhere they checked, uh, there was cancer everywhere. So we literally got that news, and um, in, in my uh, 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 hospital room, and uh, the company that I worked for at the time was a very large and uh, largest CPA firm in the state of Alabama, very prestigious uh, CPA firm, uh, and they were gracious enough to pay and offer to pay for infertility treatments, and we were going to go to Vanderbilt, uh, and it takes about a week. And so the doctors came in. It was just like something you'd see out of TV. Um, there were eight or ten white coats standing in a room, uh, and they said, uh, hey, your your firm has agreed to pay for this. Uh, let us know what you'd like to do. And so I said, we will talk about it and we'll let you know. And they uh, they just stood there in my room. And I was thinking, well, maybe they didn't hear me. So I said, hey, we'll we'll talk about it and we'll let you know. And they said, okay, please let us know what you'd like to do. And they just kept standing there. And uh, Casey and I kind of looked at each other and were like, hey, they, you guys need to answer like right now, don't you? They said, yes, we need an answer right now. So they said the procedure takes uh, a week to do, a full seven days, and uh, honestly, Johnny, uh, we, we don't think you have seven days, but we want to give you this opportunity, and please make this decision. So Casey and I went into the bathroom in my hospital room, and we talked, and uh, you know, I'll never forget uh, what Casey told me. She, she looked at me. She told me she loved me. She said that, uh, you know, she'd rather have me than have kids. And uh, that was uh, really uh, a joy to hear, but it's also obviously even now very hard for me to even repeat those words. Uh, and we literally, as two kids, as you can imagine, I was 22, she was 20, 21, uh, came out of the bathroom and we told the doctors, um, hey, we're, we're not going to do that. We're going to take your advice. Seven days is, is not a long time. Uh, so let's uh, put, put my life in your hands and, and God's hands. And so they congratulated us on a very wise decision and immediately put me on the gurney and took me to surgery where they put a catheter in my heart. Uh, and as soon as I came out of surgery, uh, and recovery and was, you know, out from under the anesthesia, they administered the first dose of chemotherapy that Sunday afternoon uh, in May. Um, the next day, two or three days later, uh, I, I didn't have any trouble breathing. I was able to breathe. I was able to, I didn't feel any discomfort. Uh, and so they went in, they did some x-rays, some CAT scans, some MRIs, uh, and they said, um, this mass has completely, it's completely gone. Uh, but hold on, wow. you, still have to, you still have to go through all of the chemotherapy co protocols. And I was like, well, hey, that's great. I mean, it's gone, so I can just go, like, play ball again, right? And they're like, no, no, no. You need to fully go through this intense, intense chemotherapy regime over the next year. Uh, and they let me know that, hey, life is drastically going to change for you. Uh, I'm going to pause for a minute and see if, Casey, if you want to interject anything with your thoughts and feelings uh, of, of what we just, uh, what we just you know, told, told the listeners here. I think you're capturing it really well, sweetheart. That, uh, it was a long time ago, but it, like Johnny said, we still feel it um, pretty deep when we talk about it. You know, we had been married for two years. And, uh, you know, I had had hopes of being a mom and, you know, I've been dreaming about being swept off my feet and, and having children ever since I was a little girl. And so, you know, it, it didn't sound like it, it fit the fairy tale, but, you know, Johnny's right. I, I told him I'd rather, you know, I got married because I love you. I didn't get married to have children. And, uh, and so we made the decision to move forward with the, the chemotherapy, which was, ended up being a lifesaver. You know, we, we uh, signed some medical forms so that, you know, because he was basically a guinea pig with something that they were trying with it being a research hospital. You know, they're known for doing really neat things like that and uh, cutting edge. And this one worked. And Johnny's name is in a medical journal now. And, in fact, um, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but uh, we did end up 
getting pregnant 12 years later. Uh, we had been married for 14 years, and uh, we didn't know that this was a possibility, and we had tried some uh, infertility treatments uh, because, you know, miraculously Johnny's body did recover through the years, not to the point where we, where we were uh, fertile, but, uh, but there was some hope through medicine, so we did try that route. It didn't work, uh, and then we just ended up getting pregnant. Uh, I'm not even going to say on our own, but with God. With God, we got pregnant, and uh, it, I think it floored both he and I. Uh, we were really into spoiling our nieces and nephews, and we, had, we loved our life, and I, I knew that, you know, God had the best, absolute best plan for our, our lives, and I know he's not a killjoy, and God is not a rule maker. He is not someone who is trying to take and keep joy out of our lives. He is life-giving, and he has got the best plan for each and every individual out there that hears this right now. Whatever you're going through, if you're in the middle of something big, scary, overwhelming, take a deep breath and sit back and realize, realize who you are. You belong to God Almighty, and he is the coolest, the most fun, the absolute most uh, backed as far as resource. He's got it all. And you're his child. And we believe that. We truly believe that uh, before we had the miracle of children. We just believed that, you know, whatever it is, if it's, you know, I used to climb four, uh, 14ers, we called them. When we lived in Colorado, I had a group of girlfriends, and we'd go climb them. And, and I thought, you know, you, you, you have no idea what it's like to climb one of these until you get to the peak and you're looking out over the rest of the land, that, that kind of exhilaration, that feeling that you get. You know, some people would say, well, you, you'll, you'll never know true love until you have a child. And I thought, wow, you know, that just can't be true because whatever God's plan is for my life, it is the absolute coolest, most best plan, whether kids are in it or not. And so we had already gotten to this uh, realization that God was awesome and he rocks, and he's going to give us the total, the absolute best, you know, no matter what that best looks like. And, yes, we actually did end up getting pregnant 14 years into our marriage, uh, and we had a son. <laughs> and there wasn't even a survival rate for what Johnny had. You know, he was the first one, as he said, to survive this cancer. And so we tracked down his doctor. Uh, who had gotten pretty famous and moved to Washington State. And we found him, and we asked permission to use his picture in our birth announcement. And, uh, and then we, uh, and we were laughing. The last, it, our, our birth announcement was very unconventional, but it told the story of, you know, the diagnosis of cancer and there will be no children. And then on the back it says, uh, with God, nothing is impossible, and we're laughing. And uh, it, it truly is an incredible story that, that I know that some people out there that are hearing this story, um, this is going to ring true with you because God's done similar, really awesome miracles in your life. And then there's some that are saying, wait a minute, he hasn't done it in mine, dot, 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 yet. Trust God because he's got a miracle in store for every single one of you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I couldn't agree, you know, more with Casey. And part, part of that. Hey, hey, Johnny. Yes. Johnny, I want to back up a second. Now, you know, I work in the medical field, and I I hear people all the time saying, you know, they gave me three more years to live, or they gave me six months to live, or, but seven days, I mean, that had to just, uh, when, when y'all were told that, that, that had to just be crushing. Yeah. Um, it, it was. I mean, I, you know, I can't lie to you. At, at the same time, I, you know, my life before I met Casey was uh, a life of uh, disappointment, failures. Uh, my dad and mom were divorced. I went to 14 schools before I graduated. I went to that included four different high schools. Uh, I played baseball, so I had to baseball and football. I had to make it. I had to make a new team every year in high school. If you can imagine how hard that was. Uh, I missed tons of school growing up because I had to work. I started work when I was 10, driving a, a literal tractor and trailer of tobacco in the tobacco farms in North Carolina. 
And so a lot of my childhood was, was lived as an adult. And so I was a kid at 22 with cancer and them telling me, hey, you have seven days to live. And I'm like, uh, okay, uh, I can do this. Um, you know, it's like uh, work or another job or another disappointment or starting school again and again and again and again and again until you do that, you know, 14, 15 times. And I really honestly didn't really process it, literally. I just, I really did not deal with it emotionally. I just figured, hey, it is what it is. People in my family have died of cancer seven days. So they're like, hey, do you need some time? I'm like, yeah, give me five minutes. And and I'm I'm being serious here. I, I didn't really fully understand what you're supposed to do with that kind of news. And so um, I, you know, I had, you know, I got down on my knees. I said a few prayers. I said, hey, Lord, you know, wh- whatever reason, um, you know, I'm ready to do this. I don't really understand why, but, um, you know, hey, let's do this. And that was really my prayer. And, um, you know, you work in the, in the medical industry will understand when I, when I paint a little bit more color here, they did say basically we don't think you have seven days to live. We don't advise you to go do this. Um, you know, roll the clock forward. They, when they did my first test in 19, uh, I had cancer in 1990, 1994, they did their first fertility test on me. I had zero sperm count, none, zero. Now, I know from life, I know from biology class, and I know from sex education classes, it only takes one. Be careful, be careful, be careful. I had zero. I looked in the microscope. There was, nothing was there. I went home that, that afternoon, and I had to fly out of town to go uh, on a job uh, I was traveling for, and I had to sit on the plane with that news. Casey had to sit by herself. I had to sit on the plane with that news. Uh, and it was shortly thereafter that I watched a movie. I think it had Michael Keaton, and he had been diagnosed with cancer. I can't remember the name of the movie. And he was going through um, – he was going through telling his soon-to-be son – how to shave, how to be a man, how to ask a girl out, how to you know be a gentleman, how to propose. He was telling his newborn-to-be son that he will never see uh, how to live. And uh, it wasn't until seeing that movie that I, I just broke down and uh, Casey held me. She told me she loved me. It was going to be okay. And, and that's when I really started to process how bad this situation was. Because she and I just laughed. We watched funny movies. We played prank phone calls on the nurse's <laughs> station. We called Pizza Hut and ordered obscene pizzas. We, we did everything you could do to laugh because death was, was diagnosed for us. And so now we come home four years later. They say, zero sperm count. You're not going to have kids. You have zero. And we sit with that. We sit with that pain. We sit with that reality. And it starts to sink in. And I was like, hey, I can do anything. Not through me, but, you know, through Christ. I, I was a Christian this whole time. I was like, hey, my life was messed up. And this is like... You know the old saying, this is no hill for a climber, as they might say. But we're going to do this. Something's going to happen. And I knew, I knew, I knew deep in my heart, I knew that God was going to come through. I just didn't know how. And so, roll the clock for four more years, 1998, I go in, I have my second fertility test. And hey, good news, you have 2,000 sperm. They <laughs> said, so basically... You have about 2,000. I went, man, that's fantastic. It's way better than zero. They said, yeah, but that's not even nowhere near close to normal. I was like, okay, well, hey, four years, you need to go zero to two. Another four years, maybe I get four or eight. Who knows? Hey, life's looking good. So they said, well, you can try artificial insemination. So Casey and I went to the doctor, and we did that seven times in a row. Seven times in a row, and they all failed. It was perfect setting, perfect eggs, perfect conditions, perfect weather. We did it at the best institutes in Denver, Colorado, and the best institutes in Southern California, and they all Johnny, failed. Johnny, guess what? Yeah. We did it the perfect number. 
Seven is a perfect number. Hey, it happens to be Mickey Mantle's number. He's a great ball player, by the way. Yeah, let's throw that in there. But, yeah, seven's like the perfect number, right? Seven's that number you read about in the Bible and you do some studies. Like the per- we, we failed the perfect number of times. And so we were just about go to um, in vitro fertilization, which is very costly. I had already worked it out for my taxes. We were going to spend the money. We had got accepted to a study at Redondo Beach in California based on our condition. And uh, we were ready to pay the money. We had saved up. We were ready to go. And this guy I worked with uh, said, hey, Johnny, God told me you're going to have a child. Don't spend the money. Don't waste the money. And it was the hardest thing for me to hear because this guy was a professed Christian, but he was a, sort of a little bit of a scoundrel at work. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm really super mad at you right now. I should fire you because I just should fire you because you've done some really bad things. So I came home and I told Casey, I go, hey, Casey, I don't want to be guilty of not having faith and not trusting God. And I, I don't know what to do with this information, but, but I want God to know that I totally trust him. Well, a couple weeks later, Casey says, uh, you need to take a look at this. And it was a pregnancy test. We had gone on a little boating trip uh, with some friends of ours over the weekend out to Catalina Island, and she just wasn't feeling good. And for whatever reason, she took a pregnancy test, and it was positive. And she kind of sort of freaked out, and, oh, no, maybe it's old. So she got another one, and she tried it, and it was positive. And she came and she showed me, and I'm like, I completely uh, just fell on the floor, crying, going basically crazy a little bit. And then she was like, really like, oh, my gosh, I just told my husband that I'm pregnant. What if this isn't right? So we went to the drugstore that night. We got like two or three more. We tried them that night. We tried them the next day. And they kept it positive, positive, positive. So we went to the doctor. And uh, the little light was beeping. And her little heart was beating. And the doctor said, yeah, you got a little baby in there. Congratulations. And they had no idea what we had been through. So we explained. Well, that doctor, a Jewish man, great doctor, love him, Dr. Seth Kogan, fantastic man, fantastic doctor. We get through the pregnancy, and our little son is born on June the 7th of 2002, complete and utter miraculous miracle of God Almighty. NBC came in, they heard, they heard about our story, my, my very rare type of cancer, and they filmed, they filmed my son's birth. It was televised nationwide so that people could see the miraculous of, of, of science, of God, most importantly, uh, and our story. And that's how my son was born. So we were super excited. And about a year later, we're on a, a little family trip in Northern California, and Casey gets me a July the 4th present. Now, I don't know if any of you listeners out there have ever gotten a July the 4th present, but I had never gotten one. I got Father's Day. I got birthday. I got Christmas. I got Secret Santa. But I've never received a July 4th present. And I'm like, this is really weird. And I, I opened up the present, and it said... There's a little baby bib that said, I'm, a bi- I'm the big brother. I'm the big brother. And me just being completely oblivious, I'm like, why did you buy me a baby bib? This is crazy. And then it hit me. Oh, my gosh, my wife is pregnant. And the next words out of my mouth were, what in the world are we going to do? I don't even know what to do with the one I got. What are we going to do with another one? This was one year later. Well, about 10, 8, 10, 12 weeks later, we went in. We saw a little beeping light, and then next couple of days, that little beeping heart went away. The doctor said, I'm sorry, you've lost this baby. So, hey, good news. She's pregnant. We went, hey, great. That's fantastic. We thank God for it, and, and we moved on. And about 12 months later, that was in 2003, 2004, she got pregnant again. We went in, we saw the little beeping light. And about eight weeks later, it stopped beeping. They said, hey, congratulations. Hey, these things happen. 
And I'm telling you guys now, and listeners, we did this six times in a row for the next six years. Casey lost a baby every single year. They did a DNC on one of them, and they said, hey, this is a little boy. We named him Eli. We have a little funeral service for him. They said, Johnny, it is you. It is your cancer. It is your body. It is not working right. You need to stop. So I went and had a vasectomy so that we wouldn't knowingly do something that was a medical disaster. And the doctor said, and he was with us the whole time, all these six years, the same doctor. He said, your son, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't heads or tails. He's the coin that landed on its edge, and we can't explain it. But I'm a Jewish doctor, and I do believe in miracles, and you are one, and your son is one. But I'm urging you to please stop this. You know, you just don't, you don't want to keep going down this road. So I went ahead of a vasectomy. And then by this time, my son's five years old. He's praying. My sister had hit her. My sister had just had another baby. It was a little girl. So she had a little boy, and now she's got a little girl. They're about the same age as my two kids now, and I'm getting to that point. Uh, my, little, my little son, Jack, he's like, Dad, I want a baby sister. I'm like, hey, son, I'm a baseball player. I am oh, I'm like one in a gazillion. I mean, my batting average is so low that it wouldn't even appear in the fine print. So you got to talk to God about this, son. I, I've tried, I've, and, and this is a real conversation I had with him. So he started praying. And bless his heart, right, he, he's, he's a very patient young boy. And about three days after praying, on the fourth day, he said, Hey, God, I'm praying, and you're not listening to me. You need to give me a little sister, because I'm praying, and you're not listening. So I said, Hey, son, let me grab my rubber boots. Lightning's going to strike any minute. You need to be respectful. And I, and, I, and I was talking to him in this very real dad and son way, and I go, Hey, listen. You ask for candy, don't you? This is a five-year-old boy. He goes, yeah, sometimes I do, but sometimes you don't give it to me. I said, that's right, because sometimes it's not the best thing for you. And sometimes you ask me for that toy, and I don't give it to you. He goes, yeah, because you don't have any money, right? And I'm like, no, no, that's not the reason. It's because it's not the best thing for you. I said, you just thank God. And I promise you guys here listening today, the next prayer my son prayed was, God, thank you for my baby sister. Thank you for giving us a baby sister. And the next day, I promise you, I'm not, exa- I'm not making this up, and I'm not exaggerating. The next day, Casey's mom called out of the blue and said, there's a young lady in Dallas. She's pregnant. It's a little girl. And they would love for you guys to adopt this little girl. There's extenuating circumstances. I don't want to go on that today here on the, on the, on the call and on this testimony. And uh, long story short, after some home studies in California and Texas and some paperwork and some praying and some crying, we got a brand new baby girl, Zoe Grace, and we named her that because she is life, life with a purpose. <laughs> and that's how we have our two kids. Wow, that is Jackson great. and Zoe. And that's, that's basically our testimony of, of God's miracle. Uh, you know, as I said, when I, we started the, the show here, we've been married 29 years, and let me tell you, and let me tell you this, listeners, married couples, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 19 years, 20 years, 29 years, you have gone through struggles, you will go through struggles. We are normal people. We have bills. We have uh, bills that need to be paid. We have, uh, you know, people pass away in the family. We have uh, kids. We have schedules. And it takes a toll on its marriage. And, and it hasn't always been perfect for Casey and I. We've gone through our, our difficulties and struggles. As you would imagine, it's normal in a marriage of 29 years and going through all that we've gone through. But God is faithful. He shows up every day, every day, without fail. And I want everyone listening to understand that, that he is faithful regardless. In case you said it before, he will show up, and or not yet, he will show up in your life. You, you must choose to believe that he will because he is the God of impossibilities. 
Amen. Hey, so, Johnny? Yes. Why don't you bring us up to date with what you're doing now? Um, sure. That's a, that's a, I probably won't cry telling you about this. This is so exciting, what, what we're doing right now. I uh, said I'm a, a lifetime, you know, sports nut. I played every kind of sport you can imagine growing up and, and loved the game of baseball. And, and I tell people, I tell the folks that come to our program, I tell our players, I tell our parents, I tell anybody that will listen. Some people say, hey, and on the eighth day, God created baseball. And I go, hey, are you kidding me? The first verse of the Bible says, in the big inning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the baseball is already here before we were here. And God loves baseball. I love baseball. And driving home one day, God put an idea in my mind that I should open up a baseball academy and that I should go get the biggest name in baseball. I mean, why do it small, right? Hey, 14 schools in 12 years, four different high schools, six failed artificial inseminations, or seven rather, six miscarriages, two kids. Hey, don't go small. Hey, man, go big. So God put in my mind an idea, and he gets the credit for it. Go get the biggest name in baseball. Call him up and ask him to allow you to sign him, use his name, and ask him to participate. And that was Pete Rose, the legend, the hit king, the record king. If you do some research, you'll find out that Pete Rose has more records than any ball player that's ever lived. And he's still the biggest name in baseball today, although he's been banned from baseball for life. I couldn't imagine being banned from anything for life, let alone the game of baseball which that's all he knew. That's all he loved. He was great at it. So I, I acted on the, the idea that God gave me. I got on the Internet. I said, you know, I'd searched in how to contact Pete Rose, how to sign Pete Rose, how to have him come speak. And I called and called and called. And finally a lady answered the phone, and I begged her. I literally said, hey, man, what, what is your name? She said, it's Belinda. I said, Belinda, if you'll give me 45 seconds and promise me you will not hang up the phone, I promise you you'll like what I'm about to say, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to make a difference, and it's going to change for Pete Rose. She goes, okay, I'm listening, go. So I explained to her this vision of having a baseball academy domestically and internationally. That was going to be a legacy. It was going to be named after, promoted for Pete Rose, the hit king. She said, well, he's sitting right next to me. He's doing a signing right now. As soon as he's done, I'll tell him, and we'll see what he says. I said, I'm begging you. If you've, This sounds like a crazy phone call, but I promise you, if you'll tell him what I said, he won't say no. So she told him, and about three or four days later, I got a phone call from Pete Rosen's agent. So, Johnny, he's agreed to meet you. You can fly here to Las Vegas on January the 23rd of 2016, and he's going to listen to you. Not make any promises, but he's going to listen to you. Send me your proposal. So I went to the proposal. I told him I had a proposal. I really did, but I didn't send it. I packed up my suitcase. I took my son. I took one of my business partners. We flew to Las Vegas, and I sat down, and I met Pete Rose for the first time face-to-face. And I told him what I wanted to do and why I wanted to do it. I explained to him my background. I told him who my son was. I basically gave him my testimony. Now, by the way, I've learned this now over this last year and a half, almost two years, working with him, texting him, talking to him, spending lots of time with him. He absolutely loves Joel Osteen. Speaks highly. He's like, Joel, Joel's my buddy. Joel and I, we talk. I love listening to Joel. So I had shared. I didn't know that. I shared my testimony with Pete. I told him about my son. He saw him. He saw him sitting there right next to me. And then, and then I took a risk. I said, hey, Pete, we're going to have breakfast. Uh, do you mind if I say the blessing? He's like, sure. So he takes his hat off. I said the blessing. And I'm going to come back to that in just a minute because it's a very funny story. So we had the meeting. I shared with him what we wanted to do. I had this vision. We explained why it was going to work. And uh, a week later, I got a call. I'm ready to sign your contract, Johnny. Two weeks from there, we had an appearance booked in a place in a venue here in Houston, Texas. Pete flew out. 
He publicly signed my contract. He told all my investors, parents, media, friends, that he is going to uh, stand behind what we're doing. He's partnered with me and my business partners, uh, and we're going to open up the Hit King Baseball Academy, and it's going to be fantastic. So that's what I'm doing today. That's my business. I do this 24-7. My wife will tell you probably I do it 25-8, which that's not possible, but it seems like it. Uh, I spend way too much time, uh, but it's a new business. We're working hard to get it going. We've expanded our business from Houston to then the Woodlands, which is north Texas, north of Houston, to Massachusetts, to New Jersey, and to California. And last week I was in the Dominican at their request to expand the Hicking Baseball Academy. And we've done this in a year and a half, basically about a year. So God gets the credit for that. Well, let me go back to the story about the prayer. Uh, we're, we're at dinner. We're in Las Vegas, very nice restaurant. And, uh, and at this point now, this was probably two, three months ago, I've spent a lot of time with Pete. Uh, and just even saying that just kind of gets me weird because this guy is like a legend. He's like the walking Babe Ruth of our time. He really is. He's cool. He tells great stories. He loves the game. He's, he's, he's really fun to hang out with, and, and he talks baseball. He's not pretentious. Uh, he, he's just a really, really good guy. And uh, we were getting ready to eat dinner, and I go, hey, Pete, I'm going to say the grace. He goes, okay, okay, JJ, go ahead. So I said the prayer, and, and we had been waiting a while, and, and I admit, we were, I was hungry. And I said kind of a short prayer, and he said, here's what he said. He, this was Pete Rose now, the hit king of the legend. He goes, I'm going to tell Joel Osteen, your prayer stunk. It was the shortest prayer I've ever heard you pray in the whole time I've known you. You must be starving tonight. <laughs> I said, Pete, I am hungry, man. Let's eat. But I can play longer if you want. He's like, no, no, let's eat. <laughs> that's good. So that's what I'm doing now, and since then, and through Pete's uh, influence, we have also signed Tony Perez, Ivan Pudge Rodriguez, Joe Morgan, George Foster, Mike Morgan, Brian Bohannon, Gerald Young, Frank Thomas, Eduardo Perez, all those guys. Did you say Steve Garvey? And Steve Garvey, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. And Steve Garvey. All these guys are either investors with money or time. And they all are advisory board members. So I have all these guys in my phone. If I lose my phone, I'm like in big, big trouble. They're all on my phone. I text them. I call them. They text me back. They call me back. I get to talk baseball with them. And so remember I told you my dad left years and years ago. And I get a chance for these men to not only sort of mentor and speak into my life, but, you know, it kind of checks that box, if you understand where I'm going with this, from, from a different level. You know, the Bible says God is a father to the fatherless, and he is. But he's put some people in my life that checks a box for me that was never checked. And so I want to tell you, listeners, to you men, to you young men and to you older guys, that God knows that. He knows the pain of your heart. And 29 years of marriage, and I'll be 50 years old next month, I still can't make it through like an episode of Eddie Griffith or even, you know, Sanford's son and seeing a dad and their son. So now at this point in my life, I get these legends who call me, they talk to me, they answer my questions, and they never ask me for anything in return. And it's a really cool thing. That God's allowed me to do. And I don't even have words to describe it. So if you, young man or older man, or you young ladies that do not have a dad and don't understand that, press into the Lord. He is the father to the fatherless. He will fill that void in ways you have absolutely no idea. You just got to look for it. You just got to look for it. Man, that's awesome. I've really enjoyed it so far, but there is one thing I need clarity on is you're mentioning this academy and baseball, but you're not exactly saying what it is. Okay, I understand. That's that's a good question. I'm sorry. 
we don't understand it. I understand. So the name of our company is Hit King Baseball, Incorporated. Hit King Baseball, Inc. We have opened up academies, and we're working to open up academies around the world where young men and young ladies can come in and get taught by the professionals how to catch, how to pitch, how to hit, how to take ground balls, how to take fly balls, how to play on the team, how to win, how to lose, how to play the game of baseball, how to play the game of life as well. On Sundays, if we're out on the field, I give a sermon to the players and parents so that they don't miss church. We have a true baseball academy right now in, in a room two doors down from where Casey and I are sitting. I have four coaches, and they are meeting with parents and players from eight years old up to 18, and they're saying, hey, son, young man, this is what you did right this year. This is what you did wrong this year. This is what you need to work on. What are your goals in baseball? What are your goals in life? We're here to help you with those. So I have an academy. It's named after the hit King P. Rose himself. Uh, we, we do your normal commercial aspect of any business. We sell baseball gloves and bats and apparel and uniforms and hats and really cool things. But at the heart of it, what we do is we have a group of, of kids, and we play baseball. And in Texas, we compete with football. And so we have tryouts, and the kids try out, and we don't turn any kids away. Some programs turn them away. We have two brands. We have like a minor league brand and we have a major league brand. And when these young players, these kids aspire to make it to the major league brand, which is the Hit King. We wear red and white. It says Hit King on our jerseys. It says 4256, which consequently is a total number of hits Pete Rose got in his entire career, 4,256 hits. The next person in line is Ty Cobb, 4,189 hits. That record will probably never be broken. So those are our, our logos, our, our um, the things that you see on all of our gear and our baseballs, bats, et cetera. But, but thank you for asking that question to clarify. Uh, it's an academy, and you can come here and learn the game of baseball or softball. You can play on a team. You can travel around and play in tournaments. Right now we're in the summer. We have our showcase high school kids. They come in, and they're looking to get college scholarships or – professional uh, contracts. So far, we've put about, in, in a very short time, we've put about seven or eight kids into college on college scholarships to play baseball. And this past March, out in California, Steve Garvey's son, Ryan Garvey, played for our Hit King team, and his teammate signed a major league contract to the Florida Marlins. It, it's, it's a young man that is from Taiwan, doesn't speak any English. He came over and he played. He got, he, he, got, he got seen by the scouts, and he signed a major league contract. So we got kids from 8 all the way up to around 22. We put kids in college, scholarships, playing baseball, having played for the Hit King brand, and we have one player in this very short time that's already signed a major league contract. So we are looking at expanding uh, you know, this concept to inter- internationalize youth baseball to the Dominican Republic and to Puerto Rico. And uh, we're able to do that because of guys like Tony Perez and, and Yvonne Pudge Rodriguez and their connections to those countries. So that's what we do. So thank you for asking that question. We, we teach, coach, and train and play baseball all year long, and that's, that's our business, our passion. But we're also helping these kids. One of our, our mission statements is to help these kids get to the next level in life, whatever that level may be for them. It may just be make a team. It may be, uh, you know, make my high school team. It may just be, hey, uh, you know, I don't have any friends and I want to I be part of a team. Well, come on, you can, you can play with us. We'll, we'll get you on the, on the team. Uh, it may be, hey, I need to make some, some grades. And so, hey, if, 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 they're, if they're not making the right kind of grades in school, then we have them dress out and sit in the bleachers and do homework. And they're like, man, this is crazy. I don't, I don't want to dress out. So we, sorry, that's, that's life, man. You got to put on your uniform. And it does two things. It has them sit there on the field wishing they were on the field. And it also has their teammates look and say, hey, there's one of my teammates up in the stands wearing his uniform. He can't be out here with us. I certainly don't want to be that guy. I better make my grades. So we try to tie in everything we can in hopes that these young men, young ladies, 
will, you know, make it through high school, make it to college, and some of them actually make it to a professional baseball. And that's, that's our goal. That's what we do. Hey, I want to speak something real quick over Pete Rose. Um, you know, as an ordained minister of the gospel, I, I just want to proclaim and prophesy because I remember all the stuff and, and when he came out and, and told the truth, which basically he came out and confessed his sin, which means the, the Word of God says when you confess your sin to one another, you will be healed. Yes. And I want to speak John twenty twenty three over him that says, you know, if I forgive his sins, his sins are forgiven, and that restitution... And everything that has been stolen from him will be returned to him. Mm. Because, you know, I want to see him in the Hall of Fame one day because he should have been there. He deserves Absolutely. to be there. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, we had a president of the United States who lied, who lied on, under oath and never even asked for forgiveness, and they gave him a pardon. And yet right. here you got a, a baseball player who was not even – playing at the time he was a coach and, and you know it's it, just crazy but I you know I believe what you're doing is bringing his name back and, and uh, you know one thing about him is I remember where you know whether he hit a home run he still ran like you know crazy I mean, yeah. you know, he wasn't one of these who just jogs around and doesn't. I mean, everything he did, he did full force. And I thank you that the the Lord is going to enter his life to a point that, you know, he will he will speak in the name of Jesus and he will speak over these children in the name of Jesus and he will do it full force. Well, I agree with that prayer. I agree with that that uh, prophecy that you just gave. And, you know, I, uh, I don't know, obviously, the future. I, I do know that this man absolutely loves the game of baseball. He never did anything as a player that messed with the integrity of the games, the, the statistics of the game. And, and I challenge you, and I challenge you listeners, go up on YouTube and just YouTube Pete Rose, uh, the, the hit king, the 4192 hit that he got. And I asked him about this because I knew it deep in my heart, and he confirmed it. Everybody in the world in baseball knew that night that Pete was sitting on the record. He was tied with Ty Cobb. He had one hit to go. And he hit that ball to left center field, and he rounded first. And I told my son, I said, Jack, my son just turned 15 a couple weeks ago. I said, Jack, you look at that hit. He was trying to get a double when most men would have just ran first, threw up their hands, started clapping, you know, hey, I broke the record. Not Pete Rose. He rounded first. He was digging. He was running hard. He was trying to get a double. And I asked him, he said, Johnny, I'm telling you right now, that's exactly what I was doing. He goes, I knew that we were playing on AstroTurf, and I knew the way I hit that ball was going to take a high bounce, and there was a chance that I was going to get a double, if not a triple, and I wanted to do that, and that's what I was focused on. He goes well, on he to say, that, yeah. Yeah, he was that fast, too, so. Yeah, he was. He could have. He goes on to say that, you know, after that point, everything stopped. And I think he said it was a nine, nine or 11, I think it was nine minutes, nine or 11. By the way, Steve Garvey's on first base. And all those iconic pictures of P. Rose holding his hand up in the air that night that he got that hit, Steve Garvey is standing on first base. He's played first base for the Padres. They were playing in Cincinnati. They played the Padres that night. P. Rose got a nine or 11-minute standing ovation nonstop. Now, I haven't tried this yet because I don't know how Casey's going to take it, but, but he challenged us. He goes, the next time your wife's cooking dinner, just go in there and clap for nine straight minutes and see if you can even do that. I would like that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to try that, right? Nine minutes. And he's like, and so here's the beauty of Pete Rose. He's a numbers stat guy. He knows how many outs he made lefty, righty, which pitchers would be average or whatnot. He asked my son the other day, how many uh, commercials, how many minutes of commercials 
are in a major league game. And my son's like, uh, I, I don't know. He's like 54. Nine innings, six minutes of commercial in between every inning. He just knows that stuff. So when he says a nine-minute standing ovation, he was correct. You go, go YouTube and watch that. It's a thing of beauty. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it was. It was a long period like that. Uh, but I do remember him saying something about he looked up and he saw an image of his father. Yeah, yeah. His father had already passed away. His mom was still alive. They pan over in the crowd. They show her. She's jumping up and down, celebrating. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, his father had, had passed away prior to that. But, um, you know, the, the reason that he plays, this is a hard part for me to get through, the reason he plays and, and does life today still and how he played was because of his father. And this is what he told me. He said, hey, Johnny, we were playing a, a, a night, a, a game in Cincinnati. I always got to the clubhouse early. I was the first one there. I, I worked hard, man. I loved the game. I got there. I go up to the thing. I go, four tickets, Pete Rose Sr. I always left him tickets. He said he never stayed after the game. He'd come to the game. And then he'd leave. He goes, this particular night, he, after the game was over, he was waiting outside, and I'm on my way to my car. Back then, I guess, you know, parking was, you know, relatively close for those guys. And Pete Sr., his dad says, hey, Pete, I, I got to talk to you, son. He goes, yeah, Dad, what, what's up? Something's wrong with Mom? Is she sick? He's like, no. He goes, I got to ask you a question. Tonight, in your second at bat, he gets that ground ball. Did you run as hard as you could to first base? And he's like, I thought for a minute, and I said, uh, no, Dad, I was a little frustrated. I did it. He said, son, let me tell you, this is my town. I was born here. You were born here. Don't ever let me see you play like that. As long as I ever see you play, don't be that way. Yes, sir, Dad, I won't. And from that day forward, he played the game like you and I saw him play. And so me and my situation and not having really dad in my life, I, I, I think about God, our father. And I want to say this again to you men and, and you ladies who, who don't have a dad or you have a bad relationship with dad. Our heavenly father is watching us that closely, but in an encouraging way. He's excited when he sees us do things. He wants to know, are you hustling? Are you doing the best you can with what I've given you? Please do. Please don't just halfway run the first base in life. And those are the things I think about. So I'm doing this business, and I just have to be honest. There's some people that think I'm an absolute nut job, an idiot. You'll never sign Pete Rose. This is crazy. He's never going to take your phone call. I can't believe this. And all of a sudden, we got Pete and Steve, and Tony, and Pudge, and Frank, and all these guys. And the newspaper says, well, you're, you're behind on your schedule for your facility and this and that. But I know. And I just, I just told my wife, just told Casey a, a couple days ago, that God gave me this idea. I certainly want to see it through. I want to see what happens and then how this plays out. Because it's such a blessing. I, I, you have no idea, listeners. My wife knows how much I love baseball. She accuses me of loving it more than her. And I keep telling her I don't, but she just doesn't believe me. <laughs> um, but I love it a lot. Okay, I'm going to say that. I love it a lot. <laughs> because the game of baseball gave me something that dad couldn't. It gave me coaches. It gave me men. And fortunate for me, it gave me men in my life that, that said positive things, that patted me on the back, that picked me up when I needed it the most at an impressionable young age when all the other guys, dads, were coming to pick them up after the game. I didn't have that. I didn't get to enjoy that. And so now I'm getting to enjoy that. I do that with my son and my daughter. I get to enjoy that. And I get to do this now with these professional Legends. And I would have never in a million years ever imagined that God Almighty would have taken something so simple as a game of baseball with this human men and say, Johnny, my son, 
I created you. I know how much you love the game of baseball. And I'm going to let you do this when you're 50 years old. I would have never in a million years ever imagined that I would remotely even be having a conversation of this, let alone actually doing it. And that's what God can do in your life. That's what he can do. You just got to believe and trust him in whatever situation you're in right now. Well, Julie, do you have anything else to say? Yeah, I was just sitting here thinking to myself, thank you for saying that because now it just inspired me of of uh, how much coaches need to hear how valuable they can be. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't yeah. think they really realize the magnitude of of men or women that are in their life that they don't really know all the circumstances that are, that they're going through, but they can leave a lasting oppression. They can encourage uh, in all different types of ways. So that's just what was put on my heart right now. I have to tell you, I've done many interviews, but uh, I think I've enjoyed yours the most. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, you guys are welcome. I mean, God, God gets the credit for this. I know I'm just repeating and, and telling a, a real story as, as well as Casey. Um, we thank you guys for having us on. I, I will add this, if you just, just bear with me for a second. I'm the CEO of this organization. We're, we're taking the company public. We're working on doing that. That's never been done with a business like this before. That's interesting. It's exciting. It's frustrating. It's cool. But as the CEO, the only reason I point that out, not, not to like elevate me or brag or anything like that, but even as the CEO of this company, I do not coach my son on the field. We have no dads coaching their sons, and we do that for a reason, several reasons. One, so that those young men can be spoken to truthfully of where they are in the game of baseball without emotions weighing in. Number two, it gives dad a chance to get up in the stands and cheer for their boys and not feel that burden of, am I playing my son too much? Am I playing him not enough? Is he going to be mad with me when we get home? And then the other part of it is it, it takes out that, again, that, that whole emotional, erratic coaching aspect, and that really allows our coaches to be appreciated for truly what they're doing and being truthful with these young men. Like I said earlier, right now, in, a, in, a, in just a, a room a couple doors down from Casey and I, we have player evaluations. It's at the end of the season. You know, summer's starting, so the spring season is over. And these coaches are in here after hours meeting with mom and dad and the players, and they are telling them, son, I am being very honest with you right now, and you need to hear these things. This is going to help you be a better man, a better young lady, a better player, a better student, a better son, a better daughter, what have you. So I do do want to point that out. That's a unique aspect of our academy. No dads are coaching. I coach my son at home. We talk baseball. we, we, We watch games. But I don't have to make a managerial decision on the field for him. And let me tell you, he's a great player. Switch hitting catcher. He got picked to go play on Team USA Latin America. He gets to travel to the Dominican. He's a great ball player. But not even I in my position. I don't I don't coach him. I let my coaches coach him and let those coaches speak in his life. So Julie, thank you for saying that and recognizing that. Coaches really do need a pat on the back. Because most of the time, parents are, are like yelling and screaming at coaches or like praising them. There's like no middle ground, and they don't really understand what a coach really has to do, what they're really up against. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you making that point. Okay, well, I want to thank both of y'all for coming on. And uh, like like Julie said, really enjoyed the show. And maybe sometime we'll have you back again, Johnny, and maybe we'll have you back with Pete Rose. I'd love to hear more of his story, especially uh, I, I just see that God is going to majorly do something in his life. And Casey, well, thank uh, you so yeah. much. Go ahead. No, I, we, we would love to do that, and uh, we you know, look forward to maybe maybe being able to do that. He, he does a great job with interviews, and, you know, if we give him enough, enough, uh, enough leeway and heads up on timing, uh, he normally just calls in and, um, you know, 
I'd, I'd have to obviously prep him for what the interview's about, but he, uh, he's been very accommodating and, uh, you know, he's done a great job with those. Okay. Well, you know, that's a wrap for tonight. If y'all will hang on for one minute, we'll talk and, uh, that'll be it. <laughs>